alongside and underneath the parquet, you've been charged with a serious task. Because tonight, in this very room, a murder will be committed. My murder. You will have to closely observe the crime. Consider what you know about each other. Know that across the island, I've hidden clues. Some may be helpful, some may misdirect. That's for you to determine. But if anyone can name the killer, tell me how they achieved the murder, and most importantly, what was the motive? That person wins our game. Any questions? Uh, wait, what do we win? I, what do you mean, what do you, what do you, what do you want? No, no, nothing. I just, I, I just thought maybe there was a prize or something. I, I, an iPad or like. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, no, no, the winner gets an iPad. listening to they must be destroyed on site the following podcast contains adult language adult situations and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often you've been warned now take it away dr roush they must be destroyed on site Welcome back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 280. And I'm your host, Lee, vainglorious buffoon, Russell. <laughs> and uh, I'm joined by my returning OG co-host, Daniel, cuckolding for cable news assignments, Harper. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, and that does describe most of my private life these days. You know, I, Wow. You know, yeah, yeah it's, uh, I, I'm moving up in the world. I, I guess I, I should get cable news back on on my TV because apparently I'm missing out on some stuff, you know. Yeah, no, you yeah. know, yeah. Turns out I have a show on I and I very I'm a, like way 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 down the list cable channel, and uh, I am I am I am co coding uh, for you know the cable news assignments. That's uh, just a thing that I do now. Uh, hey, it's, you know. it's it's honest work if you can get it, you know. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean you know, and you know you get to with girls like whiskey you know so you know eh, ones are you know only slightly morally dubious compared to the rest of the people and he's <laughs> a saint compared to the rest of them let's be clear but you yeah know, yeah but this is one uh daniel uh brought to the table he was like hey you want to do glass onion sometime and it's like yeah we should we we did the first knives out so uh we're doing knives out uh you know a knives out mystery uh, it's subtitled uh, Glass Onion. And uh, I guess Ryan Johnson didn't even like that. It was, you know, oh, we have to market it as a knives out mystery or whatever, you know, but, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. Like, that, uh, I, I guess that came with Netflix giving him all the money for it. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> We're going to give you all the money, uh, but you have to subtitle it the way we choose. And uh -huh. also, uh, I don't get to buy this movie on DVD or Blu-ray, which is, um, you know, yeah, always a problem with anything made by Netflix. Hopefully, um, 
he will make the he will make his he will make the third one, and then the Netflix will crash and burn, and all the rights will you know he can and then he eventually can buy I will get to buy yeah and the other side of the wind and all the other things that I want to buy on he, on on Blu-ray and we'll be fine yeah yeah you know what one of these you know you know Criterion is just sitting there chomping at the bit for all the like the great movies that Netflix has yeah. hold on you know <laughs> it's absolutely, like, absolutely yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Other side of the wind definitely is is one I'd like to get. On. I mean, that would be like if I if there's one that would be the one that like I want mm-hmm. like a really fancy like Blu-ray edition of that. You know, yeah, that yeah. Would be the one like it feels, <laughs> you know, uh, given that Orson Welles spent like most of his career with his work languishing in obscurity because he wasn't able to gain the rights to certain things and mm-hmm. money, it would only uh, it only like further tarnishes like the entire studio system that you know his, his last movie finally got made finally got produced and released mm-hmm. and it's brilliant and it may end up like dying under you know rights conditions and no one will ever be able to see it if you know netflix dies um yeah so it's, it's just you know it's, it's just you know insult to injury is is kind of where that where that lands you know and I mean, I know Netflix has all the money, but I feel like they're missing out on a big chunk of change, not having a, you know, a, a home video release division. And, you know, right. like considering how they started out as well, you know, with, with yeah, the fucking, no. yeah. So I know. And you can still get DVDs and stuff from, from Netflix. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, still, it's still an option, you know, and nobody does it anymore, but you know, it's still, it's still a thing. And Netflix is also like, it's really expensive now. Like it's, it's like actively expensive. Like it's oh like, yeah, I think I pay like twenty two dollars a month or something like that for for Netflix. Oh yeah, because I pay for like the HD because I've got like a nice TV, so I pay for the HD. Um, and my wife watches it. I don't, but and presumably we're getting, but like that's like that's a lot. Like that's not, you know, that's not like ten dollars a month anymore. Like no, that's a, that's a significant amount of money to spend. It's it's for, You know, and I would absolutely yeah, you know. I would absolutely pay Netflix for, you know, a fancy Blu-ray disc of the things that I love from them. And so mm-hmm. I could have it and I would still keep their service. It's like they're leaving money on the table at that point, you know? And uh, I know, I, I guess they decided not to in the U S where it's, you know, Oh, we're going to go after people sharing accounts or whatever. Right. But, but they did it everywhere else. <laughs> well, so so that's, 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 that's the joy of living in the seat of world empire. Is, I guess. You know? Yeah. I get to share my account with people, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to, uh, I unfortunately had to tell like my best friend, I'm sorry, you can't leech off my Netflix account anymore <laughs> this month. So <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got to come into my home Wi-Fi every 30 days. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in, in in a way, it's it's only it's only fair because you know he he was uh, he was uh, sharing his his Shutter uh, account with me. So uh, you know, yeah. ho- hopefully Shutter doesn't end up being dicks. You know, hopefully they'll stay low low key enough where they where they don't get a big head and kick me off Shutter. But you know, we'll yeah. Say. Well, it's all. I mean, this is the way of the world now. It's just gonna it's just gonna keep mm-hmm. going this way because none of these companies make money. They're yeah, just, they're just leeching. <laughs> Definitely. And it's like, you know, yeah, you, you didn't, you've been around for, you know, 20 years, you don't have a profitable business model. And, uh, you know, you've just taken all of the things that people love. And uh, I hope you die. Mm-hmm. And, and that, 
on that on that note, I think we should move on to talk yeah, yeah. about an actual good product they produced. <laughs> yeah, which, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we can talk about what we've uh, watched uh, recently. So I know you have something. You said it was a joke, something, but yeah. Despite so, that, please this, enlighten this us. Is not, this is not something that I have watched, but it is something that I am going to watch because mm. I saw a a Twitter thread about it, and okay. I could not find it online. But I actually dropped down the $17 for, uh, for the Blu-ray disc of this um, because it looks fascinating. And the Twitter thread was, you know, uh, I just saw like the sort of the, like the greatest neo-noir that you've never seen. And like the screenshots looked amazing. And I'm like, you know, what the fuck is this? It turns out it's Johnny Mnemonic in black and white. What? And it's been released on Blu-ray. Like really? apparently it's it's sort of like not like a director's cut so 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 much as you know but it is like sort of like going closer to the director's original vision it's okay. like intended for it to be in black and white and like if you look at like the screen grabs and you look at like the 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 gifts and stuff you know that that I saw mm-hmm. it's like a lot of the you know if you if you remember the movie which you and I covered way back when on this show if you look at the um, uh, you know some of the analog. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, technology, you know, it looks really chintzy in color in like, mm-hmm. 1996 vision, you know, but like you look at it in black and white and someone's like, Oh no, no, I sort of get what they're going for here. Like it's supposed to be this sort of, you know, the future imagined from the past. It's sort of like we Re- can't yeah, re- retro futurism future. yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And, um, a lot of the stuff that looks, you know, even decent in sort of the like the, the last third of the movie with sort of like all those CGI sequences um, mm-hmm. and like sort of the, the bank of monitors and the dolphin and everything. And suddenly in the black and white version, it's just like instead of like seeing things, it's all like you know, they look like old CRTs with, you know, you know, like like graphics on them and everything. And it's like, no, 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 this is this is gorgeous. Like you know, at least, you know looking at it on my phone, you know, through through Twitter for that. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I was legitimately like, Well, I'm gonna watch this. <laughs> and yeah. we're gonna talk about it. And then um I couldn't watch it. So I just I literally just before we got on here I just bought it. And so uh, you know, hopefully we will get to talk about it in uh in another episode because um I'll I'll watch it and let you know if it actually is like a, enough of a different experience that it's worth like covering it again. But yeah. like I was actively like, no, this this seems like something that's worth my sixteen dollars and I I'm okay with that. So um yeah. yeah, that's something I'm going to be watching in the near future, hypothetically. So, you know. That's that's cool. Um and I mean there might be something to that, like uh for instance, um uh the uh, movie came ba- came out a uh, few years back well not even a few years back but quite a few years back now at this point but uh the uh, adaptation of uh, Stephen King's The Mist um yeah. and how it was released with hey here's the alternate black and white version yeah which is really quite enjoyable and it really kind of hides some of the obvious CGI in yeah. the black and white so yeah that that actually intrigues me this, to see because I, I wasn't a big fan of Johnny Mnemonic. So like, yeah, I mean, I I thought like I couldn't remember exactly what you and I said about it. I mean, I remember feeling like vaguely positive, like, oh, yeah, this is probably, you know, like if you're a fan of the genre, you know, it's 90 mm. minutes of your time or whatever, you know, and I felt like you were probably a little bit more negative, but, you know, kind of also on generally the same page. Um, but the the black and white version, like at least it looks gorgeous. 
and um, you know, the scenes that I saw in like the little thirty second clip was sort of the early um bit where they're like putting the stuff into into um Keanu Reeves' head into Johnny's mm-hmm. head. And then uh, Udo Kier kind of comes up with the uh is it Udo Kier or is it no it's not Udo it's he comes up with the uh, nanofilament whip, you know? And you get the uh the slicing through the body thing, which looked cool enough in color, but in black mm-hmm. and white, like man, that looks like an amazing effect. It's you know, so um, I'll try to find that. Uh, I'll try to find that Twitter thread so you can link it in the in the show notes. But uh, cool, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Uh, I'm 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 actively excited. Like I don't like buy a whole lot of like DVDs, Blu-rays these days. But like, yeah, me either. This was one where I was like, you know, if I could find it online, I would have done it, but I couldn't. And so I was like, all right, well, fuck it. <laughs> We're just gonna just gonna buy it. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, so I've I've got one thing I'll mention, and this is something that's, uh, you know, spoilers going on my best of the year first-time watches uh, list uh, right away. Uh, it's a documentary uh, from 2022. It's called The Pez Outlaw. And uh, very interesting about this real guy, Steve Glue, who um, made a fortune in the 1990s. Like, he was just this sort of down-and-out rural guy who had no prospects or anything like that, but... Uh, you know, he suffered from OCD and bipolar. Uh, so very eccentric and kind of isolated from a lot of people and stuff like that. And he just was kind of raising a family. He was going nowhere. But he hit on this sort of uh, thing with uh, Pez dispensers. He had a sort of obsession with them and realized that, hey, if I go over to Europe to the actual factory that was making Pez dispensers at the time and bought them directly there and brought them back to the U.S., I could sell all these rare Pez dispensers that no one can get in the U.S. for tons of money. And that's exactly what he did. He would go over to Europe with um, suitcases and just fill them with hundreds and hundreds of Pez dispensers and then bring them back to the U.S. and then go to conventions. Apparently, there is this big collection collector's subculture for Pez dispensers. And he just made a killing. Like, he just made, like, close to, if not a million dollars at, at one point on one of the years he was doing it. So, the I think the president... And then in the documentary, they call him the president of of the U.S. Ver, uh, version of a Pez. The the company was separated, so you know you can only get certain Pez dispensers in Europe, and then you get different stuff in the U.S. Right? Um, he took a sort of like. Uh, and he was insulted by this, I guess, for some reason. You know, it, it was like literally not hurting his bottom line at all. Because this this was all stuff that he wasn't selling anyway. You're selling you're selling like classic Pez dispensers to like the high end marketing. You know, mm-hmm. like it's not it's not like you know the Pez company is like holding on to some supply of these and like selling them for yeah yeah you know, like you know yeah yeah. So like they were you know they were just like giving it to him over at the factory. He brings it back and the president quote unquote he decides I'm going to ruin this guy. And so this is very much like King of Kong. Yeah, um, no, he gave me big King of Kong vibes mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, and yeah, and it's a very similar thing, you know, little guy being crushed by this big guy, and all the eccentric people in the subculture, um, 
and it's just it's interesting there's just like shady german guy who is also a pez collector and he thinks you know he thinks steve glue is kind of crazy but he kind of respected him and he has like a tree house where he keeps all of his rare pez dispensers and he wouldn't let the cameras come up to see them and like all these all these things and underneath all this it's kind of a little bit of an exploration of steve glue's mental illness it's also an exploration of like this enduring close touching love between him and his wife who like supported him through all this shit and how now he's trying his best to support her because she's got like parkinson's or something so yeah yeah, so and it's just like a really hopefully with that big pez to spend through money (laughs) well that's the thing he got that's the thing he got ruined and then when he started telling this story and i guess he wrote a book you know he started you know getting an income again and seem seems like he's doing okay because it it, it, like you know i'll I'll spoil it it does kind of end on a happy note and it's very like warm touching kind of thing and um i think the best thing about this is that they do recreations of you know they're telling here's what happened in this year and stuff and they have steve glue with his beard dyed and stuff recreating this stuff as he recites it and it plays out like this espionage tale where he thinks he's being followed all the time like because he was like a big tom clancy fan so the cross between like drunk history and the (laughs) informant you know what you're not wrong you are not wrong that's actually pretty fucking spot on and it's it is some of the best like recreation stuff i've seen in a documentary too where it just it's like is that him Oh, that's him. That's brilliant. Yes, use him for the recreations. Don't use a stand-in actor or whatever, you know? And it's just, it works. It's so fucking good. I, I was just, like, so pleasantly surprised with it. It was it was such a, just a fun thing to kind of stumble into. So, yeah. Yeah, no. And what is this called? The Pez Outlaw. The Pez Outlaw. All right. Well, yeah. that, I, I may put that on tomorrow. That sounds, uh, that sounds like an entertaining, an entertaining watch. It is. Yeah. It's very, very good. Okay, so uh, we're going to take a quick break, play a podcast promo and some music, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Glass Onion. And uh, I feel like... Anytime you pick up a wrench, reach for a control, use a grease gun, grab a welding torch, or work on any machine while forgetting safety, you're shaking hands with danger. You ungodly warlock. Motion Picture Massacre. Fuck you. We talk about exploitation movies, grindhouse movies, fucking cult movies, horror movies, okay? We don't talk about fucking romantic comedies over here. We're not talking about fucking Sandra Bullock or some shit. We're talking about good movies, the kind that people like to watch. Yes! You ungodly warlock.
Glass Onion from 2022, and we do have a trailer. Here we go. Hello! Oh my god! Crew, we've arrived! Disruptors have assembled! Welcome, gang. We got a great weekend. Who's that? Benoit Block, the detective? Mr. Prompt. I cannot overstate my gratitude to be here. When's the murder mystery start? I've invited you all to my island. Hi! Because tonight, a murder will be committed. My murder. Once you're dead, will we still be able to talk to you? Yeah, I'm not playing dead the whole weekend, dude. This is truly delightful. Across the island, I've hidden clues. You will have to closely observe each other. If anyone can name the killer, that person wins our game. Any questions? Alibari. That has a kick. Oh my God. What happened? Holy shit. Ladies and gentlemen, there's been a murder, and the killer is in plain sight. For at least one person, this is not a game. I must insist that nobody touch the body. Jeez, detective, who killed the party? I need to find a motive for murder. Everyone would stab a friend in the back to hold on to this rich bastard. You're all friends. Why would anyone commit murder? Are we even going to talk about the elephant in the room? Am I the elephant? Yeah, you're the elephant. You're not that bad. I got a danger here. Are you calling me dangerous? We'll, we'll see. Let it all out. Hell yeah! This is reckless. The killer wouldn't hesitate to kill again if it covers their tracks. You must be really great at Clue, huh? I'm very bad at dumb things. Ticking boxes, running around, searching all the rooms. It's just a terrible, terrible game. Man, they really diss on Clue <laughs> in this movie and in that trailer. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I've actually never played Clue. So. No? No, no, never. I mean, Clue's Clue's fine. It's it's just yeah. it it really is just ticking boxes though. It's like okay, yeah. so not this person and with this thing in this room, I can check this off their list or whatever you know, and then you just narrow it down. But you know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> he's not wrong. <laughs> I mean, there there is a thing I think that that Blanc is kind of like getting at, where it's like you know, so much of like what we think of as like you know, sort of like detective fiction is mostly like it is just checking boxes. It's like. Mm-hmm. You know, you get, it's like shoe leather. You go, you interview witnesses, you know, and then like you find the red herring, et cetera, et cetera. But like, there's no, like so much of it is like just formulaic. And that's not even necessarily a bad thing. It can be like effective at what it does. But like, I do feel like there is a bit of like uh, Ryan Johnson saying like, you know, I actually mean this to be a little bit more than that, you know? Yeah. Like I, I, I think both in the first one and this, he actively de- deconstructs these, these things pretty well like yeah uh but yes written and directed by ryan johnson of course we're starring daniel craig as benoit blanc 
Edward Norton is Miles Braun. I don't think Edward Norton does much these days, does he? Like he just kind of pops up once in a while and things. Like I, I will look it up. I kind of was looking at it, and I think he's done more stuff than you think he has. Oh, okay. Um, in the sense of I do. Because um, I know a lot of people don't like working with him because apparently he's kind of a dick. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that the yeah, I'm looking for filmography here. The new IMDb is kind of frustrating. Yeah, I mean, it's terrible. Hmm. Terrible. Um, I mean, he was in Sausage Party. He was in <laughs> Beauty. He was in, like, I mean, I feel like, I don't know, like, maybe his IMDb page is going to be, like, this is this is not, this is not interesting radio, obviously. <laughs> and I can't access IMDb. So, fuck it. All right. So, like, uh, yeah. yeah, no, I haven't seen him in a lot of stuff lately. No, nah, he hasn't acted for at least 20 years. Fuck him. Yeah, right? and, and I feel like the thing with Ed Norton is that, like, he's brilliant. And uh, you said, like, people don't like to work with him, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's also, like, he doesn't really like to work with people that don't get along with him. And I think that is a, like a, a thing, you know, mm-hmm. like Edward Norton is just, he's, he's really smart. Right. And like, he's, he doesn't suffer fools. And I think that like a lot of like being a leading man is like, you know, going along with bullshit to a certain degree. And so, uh, you know, I, he, I, he's perfect casting for his part here though. Like it's right. like, yeah. I couldn't, I honestly could not think of anyone better for this. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, um, I was thinking Fight Club, and I'm like Brad Pitt, but like Brad Pitt is like too, he's too attractive, right? Yeah, uh, Brad Pitt is actually two together. Like it's right, just, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, for me, it was it was very much like it's almost like you know, like you think about like Tom Cruise in um, uh, Tropic Thunder, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like doing like one of those kind of roles, and yeah, but he would ham it up a lot more than yeah. necessary. And then you realize that, like, Ed Norton in the bar scenes is literally wearing the Frank T.J. Mackey yes. uh, outfit from Magnolia. <laughs> it's fucking, it's such it's, funny there's shit. So many, there's so many layers. To this. Yeah. It's, it's great. You know, almost as if it's an onion. It's, it's an onion. onion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, this one's a little, little harder to see through because there is so much stuff. Like, this yeah. is only my second watch. And I'm like, oh, this, that, this, that. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, um, there's a lot here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Janelle Monet as Andy Brand and Helen. Um, Catherine Hahn. Spoilers. Is, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, come on. It's in the it's in the opening of the show, people. Uh, Catherine Hahn as Claire Debella. Leslie Odom Jr. as Lionel Toussaint. Uh, Kate Hudson as Bertie J. Dave Bautista as Duke Cody. Jessica Henwick as Peg. Uh, Madeline Klein as Whiskey. Noah Sigan as Daryl and Jackie Hoffman as Ma, who, you know, uh, just jumping to trivia really quick. She's only eight years older than Batista is. <laughs> yeah. 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 She's great. in like the like four lines she gets, she's amazing. Yeah. She's just, yeah. she's just, she's just so done with her fucking man child of a son. She's just like, Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have a synopsis here from someone called Grant SS on IMDb. Five longtime friends are invited to the Greek island home of billionaire Miles Braun. All five know Braun from way back and owe their current wealth, fame, and careers to him. The main event is a murder weekend game with Braun to be the victim. In reality, they all have reasons to kill him. Also invited is Benoit Blanc, 
the world's greatest detective. That's a good back of the box. I like that yeah. one. Yeah, no, yeah. no. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't give anything too much away. And mm-hmm. it, you know, it gets you, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like the problem, like, a lot of the issue with, like, getting people to see this movie is that, like, the back of the box sounds, like, dumb. Like, it mm-hmm. sounds like the really bad version of this, you know? And even the, the like, the trailer you played, I remember watching it and kind of going, like, so the conceit is that there's a murder mystery, but really, like, the murder myth, they're like a murder mystery inside of a murder mystery, like, mm-hmm. aim, you know? And that just like it sounds clever and i was like trusting that like it wouldn't be terrible but that isn't the movie that we're delivering no right no 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 and i feel like i feel like like any description of it is like you know like it doesn't do the film justice and it's not even like this is like the greatest like the greatest movie i've ever seen it's not like Mm -hmm. you know it's not um but like it's much better than any description of it could possibly be (laughs) yeah like honestly the trailer is too long and says too much that isn't actually really true about the movie it's just right. it's just like oh maybe cut that down to a minute or something like yeah. that um, unless you know it was ryan johnson's intention it's like i don't want anyone to actually know what's going on in this movie because hey in the movie we actually tell you everything like in the second half of the movie we kind of like spell it out for you but yeah <laughs> I mean, there is this old, I think it was a Roger Ebert line, but, you know, don't don't hold that against me. But, uh, you know, it was a, uh, you know, like uh, trailers are often uh, cut to be, uh, you know, advertising the movie the studios wish that the filmmaker had made rather than the movie mm-hmm. actually made. That like, sounds right. I think that's, you know, that's how I approach trailers is, you know, like. Because that, that, that trailer's. Mm-hmm. The trailer sound, you know, just listening to it, not watching it, sounds like a Marvel movie trailer or something yeah. almost. Like, yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, so we'll just get into it here. What are your general thoughts on this one, Daniel? Um, I really liked Knives Out. Um, mm-hmm. I, think, I think we both did. In fact, I put that on my, I think I put that on, you know, very near the top of my, you know, best of list of that year, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And had I, I didn't see enough movies to really do a best of <laughs> list last year. But it definitely would have been, you know, it definitely would have been among that among that mix. It would be hard for me to think that there are going to be like ten movies that I would like more than this. Um, yeah, yeah. I've watched it several times, and in particular, like, like studying the structure, I've been like really interested, in, like exactly how it does its thing. But I also just find it like viscerally pleasurable. Like it is just like it's a little movie. Like it's not really aiming to be like sort of the greatest thing. That you know, it's not trying to be Citizen Kane. No, it's just trying to be like a fun lark with like a sort of like a serious thing kind of at its center, you know. So, um, it's to, like, so that, like Ryan Johnson like dashed off in like three weeks, it was like you know, it's and then, we're, and, then and then they went off and they were like, Yeah, we're gonna rent a Greek island, you know, mm-hmm. and like it's, an, it's a specific Greek island, like you could go to this. The only difference between like the you know, the, the, the resort where this was filmed and what's in the movie is the glass onion on the top and, of course, all the other stuff. But, you know, you could go, if you had $20,000 a night, you could go <laughs> rent this yeah. place. And apparently that's what they did is they were just, like, hanging out in this, you know, in this, uh, like, amazing resort in the middle of of COVID mm-hmm. filming this thing. And, um, you know, then they uh, released it. And, I mean, it sounds like everybody's having a blast. It's hard to, it's hard to, not get along with that but um yeah no i think i think there's there's a lot here but it's just like ultimately it's a lot of fun and it's a lot of um like it 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 is just like 
like a pleasure on like a structural level. And I think that's the thing that I kind of keep coming back to is just how great it is to, to see the first level and then to see like the second, and then even like a third, I think there is a, you know, I think it's very easy to see kind of like the halfway point where somebody re-see all those events through the, through um, the Helen's eyes. Mm-hmm. But then there's also like the third portion where once Helen gets it in her head to, no, I'm burning this motherfucker down. And then you see like what was really going on. And that kind of requires a little bit more. And like you have to kind of into it through, you know, everybody in this movie was lying the entire time. Yeah. They've all been lying. They were all lying on the stand. They were lying to protect Miles Braun. And then the second that like Miles Braun is like persona non grata, you know, uh, they've now like turned on him and it's not like they've become good people all of a sudden. No, they're, they're still fucking vile human beings, but um, now they've decided to, uh, to turn on, to turn on their, their, their titty. So, you know, yeah. I mean, they're all, they're all looking out for their, their own interests, you know, like they're, yeah. they're, they're just trying to survive, but yeah, I, I, I found this really interesting. Like I, I kind of like, like when we get we get the opening pretty much uh, a little ways from the opening but um you know the uh the pop star or whatever she is the uh the designer or fashion designer or whatever yeah. she is yeah you got um um birdie j or whatever birdie j, yep. birdie yeah j. yeah Kate, Kate Hudson, you know. yeah yeah where uh we we first see her in this weird party that i, I assume it's just like is this like all these people stuck in here by COVID and they just been like cohabiting this endless party for the last couple months or like what's going on. I, I sort of get the sense. I mean, this is like, this is like, you know, what end of May or middle of May, 2020, like there's a mm-hmm. specific date and it's like literally like two months into COVID, you know, yeah, yeah. that like well, suddenly. And uh, I sort of get the sense that like Brittany J is just like, Telling everyone that, like, oh, this is my pod or whatever. Yeah. So, like, people are just kind of wandering in and out, apparently. But, like, it is just like she is just basically throwing like a giant party. And they'd be like, I'm so bored because I can't get on Twitter and say my racial slurs anymore. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, she has a long history of different insensitive things she's done, you know, like wearing a blood diamond and, <laughs> and comparing herself to, like, you know, what Harriet Tugman or whatever her name is. And, yeah. <laughs> I'm not allowed to be on Twitter so that I don't tweet. And she puts it in quotes, an ethnic slur in quotes. Yeah, her interporter. Yeah, interporter system. Like, no, it was a slur. I thought it was just another word for cheap. And then her assistant goes, Jewy? <laughs> I mean, it is just such like, I mean, you know, it's kind of obvious when I say it, but like it really works in, in this context, you know. Later on with the sweatshop yeah. thing, where you literally, did you literally think a sweatshop is where sweatpants are made? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> and her assistant's just like, I wasted 10 years of my life working for this bitch. Like, this is, this is horrible. <laughs> I actually do have like a little, um, a little aside for that. Like, this is the one thing that I was like, was sitting that I was like, be watching it like today. Mm-hmm. Is like, she comes to Miles Braun and it's like, look, I really don't want to make her say this because like I've been working with her and if she's done, then I'm done. Like, she's my entire career. And for someone like Miles Braun, it's like, I don't know, we'll make a place for you in the PR for like, you know, mm-hmm. her, her, her $50,000 salary or whatever. Like, oh no. 
the, he would just fire out effectively, you know, like, you yeah, know, yeah. And I feel like that's something that maybe, you know, <laughs> uh, that was, that was a moment for just like an, an ever increasing thing of like, people are just holding to him. But ultimately that's kind of a, like, that's, not even, that's like a D plot, you know, in terms yeah, of yeah. The story. But I actually do really like that actress, um, Jessica Henwick. Um, yeah. I really do like her. And I like the, and it, <laughs> I like that little storyline that she has. Like, I, I really, I really love like every time she's on screen, um, you know, like the fact that when he's like, uh, when Miles Bond is handing out drinks, he's handing out, and everybody has like the branded glassware and he has a special drink. And then he literally just turns to her and, and turns to Peg and like hands her a solo cup full of like yeah. some generic drink. And it's like, doesn't even reference her, doesn't say anything. And it's just, and there is like, Oh, you're the help. You're the help. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he, it does contrast with the way he treats whiskey who, you know, arguably is also the help for you. Mm-hmm. But of course, there's a different relationship there. So yeah, know, yeah, you get you get like you know, Johnson is clever in terms of how he's like structuring this and kind of letting us see the the sort of like how people are treated um, by the other people in this in this little you know friendship group. You know, I also like the how Ryan Johnson's like, okay, I'm going to comment on the fact that the pandemic is a thing. But at the same time, I can't have my actors in masks for the entire movie. (laughs) So they instantly get the rich people's cure sprayed into their mouth, you know, basically. (laughs) I mean, there was a lot of commentary going on on Twitter about this when uh, Mm -hmm. when this movie first came out. And uh, I think the consensus, at least the thing that I I would agree, is like, this is a bullshit cure. This doesn't work in the way that anything else that Miles Braun is. Yeah. Everybody in this movie gets COVID two weeks later. Yeah. <laughs> like half a, like in, in, in the perfect world, all the shitty people, they all die of COVID the next like week, you know? Yeah. 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 Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, this, this is super entertaining. Like I, I like all the characters, characters. Well, I like the performances. I, I don't yeah. like all the characters because like literally everybody in this movie except for Benoit and um and uh, Andy slash Helen. Yeah. And and I guess to help her and arguably to... only and arguably only Helen. Arguably, mm-hmm. you know, Andy is complicit in a whole lot of this. Like her thing was she wanted to be in charge of it. She wanted to oh, yeah. for it, you know? Um I mean it's hard to it's hard to kind of blame we don't get enough of her to really get a sense of that, but you know, like arguably Helen is the better person than even than Andy. Andy was up to her eyeballs in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. she got cut out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, all, all these all these people for the most part are pieces of shit. And yeah. but I mean the performances are just really fucking good. Um I like I really like Batista in this is like this yeah. sort of rogan slash tate uh you know gestalt you know like mixed together uh where he's when, living... I, when I talk about the breastification of america what i'm saying is that breasts breasts are the source of life and so much fun come on babe yeah but then you know whiskey's like i got titties feminists deal with it <laughs> <laughs> oh and i love my boobs sorry feminists you know, yeah. and it's like, it's such a like it's such a thing. Like I've seen like a million videos. <laughs> like, yeah, that thing. You know, it's all, and you know, yeah. and you know, pe- people were you know saying, okay, so Batista's Joe Rogan, Andrew Tate, um, uh, Edward Norton's character is essentially Elon Musk and a little bit of Steve Jobs. It's like, you know, not even directly those people. It's just the kind of people that those people yeah. are. It, it is essentially what he's doing here, and I and I. 
I, I feel like, you know, pe- it, it's more just that, you know, Elon Musk is in the news so much these days that people immediately go, oh, he's obviously going after Elon Musk. It's like, no, it's it's kind of an amalgamation of a lot of that sort of well, person. It's, right? it's like the tech bro type. I mean, the whole mm-hmm. thing is like the clear technology that doesn't work, which kind of like. And I think that the movie like comes out like literally like days after Elon Musk decides to buy Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, <laughs> suddenly it's like, wow, this feels prescient. And I'm like, no, Elon Musk has been terrible for a long time. And, you know, the whole Silicon Valley culture of like, you know, we're making something that's actually going to be terrible, but we're really selling it as, as, as a real thing. Is, yeah. You know, is like, it does feel like a type, but it does work very well as like an Elon Musk stand-in for sure. Yeah, and in like the movie hints like right from the start that like Miles Braun is just a dumb rich kid, basically. Like he, he like he, like right from the start with his uh, his puzzle boxes, where everyone like outside his little circle of people are instantly solving them. It's like, okay, it's this, it's that, it's that. Like, you know, Batista's mother is like, oh, it's, it's you know, Fibonacci <laughs> sequence. And it's like... I, I love this. I love that, like, uh, you know, Batista's mother isn't even looking at it and just, mm-hmm. like, you know, from afar going, like, it's a Fibonacci sequence. <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite, I swear, my favorite line in the movie is, you know, like, when um you know uh Benoit Blanc is asked you know like uh you know Miles Braun brings him up to you know the the tower the onion you know and is like mm-hmm. asking him you know so how, why are you here it's like mm-hmm. I was delivered a box and it's like well, how are you delivered a box and it's like I opened the box that had a series of simple children's puzzles. <laughs> 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 and that is the level of trolling like that is mm. that is peak that is that is perfect trolling of this kind of guy you know oh you're you, you're very clever you know puzzles were actually like actually you know a 12 year old could solve them and yeah, yeah. it's complicated by the fact that Benoit Blanc actually does not actually like to solve these kinds of puzzles you know? <laughs> so, you we, know. We, we, we see the opening with him where you know by the way you know Spending the pan- pandemic in in a in a fucking comfortable tub, drinking and reading, and you know, playing with Angela Lansbury and Natasha Lyonne and and Stephen Sondheim. It's Stephen Sondheim. You know, both uh, passed on it since since this uh, movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, what was Kareem Abdul Jabbar as well? Yep. I guess just stuck mm-hmm. in there randomly. I was like, okay. Not a bad way to spend your pandemic. I mean, if if that's how you're spending your pandemic, playing Among Us with uh, you know like, it, your pals it, it, with with Ryan Johnson's pals, I guess. What yeah, describe that, you know? yeah, and you know, married to Hugh Grant, you know, you it's yeah. not bad, or you know, yeah. at least boyfriend of Hugh Grant, one or the other, yeah. whatever's going on. <laughs> 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 he's slaving away in the kitchen. <laughs> he, he he says you haven't been out of the tub in three weeks. That is hyperbole. It's hyperbole. <laughs> then they pull back, and there's like three weeks of books and clutter and shit. Right. And all. Like, Are you in the bath again? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I love how he's he's just so so. He, this is a world where Benoit Blanc is actually Sherlock Holmes, basically. And he's right. so, and he's and he, famous. Like, I mean, yes. he's, in the first movie you get like, you know, he's, he was like the subject of this vanity fair cover and he's been, mm-hmm. like, he's a known figure. I mean, it's hard to like, imagine like what a, you know, what a 
what a real life contemporary version of Benoit Blanc would be because we just don't like have that. Mm-hmm. But like, it's not hard to imagine there being like this kind of figure in our in our world, right? You know. And so when he shows up, it's like, oh, he's the preeminent detective in the world, you know, mm-hmm. so like he's this famous guy, you know. But but what I but I, what I love is so basically he is kind of the Sherlock Holmes of this world, but. Like he's during the pandemic, he's in that kind of Sherlock Holmes slump. He's just not mm-hmm. doing cocaine all the time, you know, or opium or whatever. Like he, he he's just like playing among us in the tub and being really pissed off that he can't win the game. You know, he's just like, I hate these games. <laughs> well, and and the the idea, like, I, and again, something that like you, I come to kind of rewatching it is like his his response to Among Us is like. And now it's just over. Like you just discovered that I was, and now there's nothing else that happens. Like because he's in his world, he's like, no, that's that's like the first step, and yeah. it does give us a hint to kind of where the ending is going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, um, which I I fucking love the ending in this movie. It's it, like it's it it really gets cathartic. To me. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but um, just a little bit more on the performance. So like I I really like daniel craig in this like you know how he gets to do a bit more but at the same time he's nest and and i I love also that ryan johnson did this because i was kind of worried with knives out with how the character kind of took off that he was going to be like the big centerpiece in this next movie and he's not he's a little bit to the side right so he's he's co-starring he's definitely the lead here i think like Mm -hmm. in terms of like we're seeing the movie through his perspective much more than like in knives out where he was sort of sort of a weird secondary antagonist because Knives Out was about like we're seeing it through Anna de Armas and so uh, mm-hmm. you know the the question is like she's kind of caught between the crime and the investigator and like, trying to like hide her involvement and kind of do it. and so it's a little bit more complicated in terms of like Benoit Blanc is certainly like a breakout character but he is arguably a kind of antagonist in the film at least you know for, for most of his running time um, although he doesn't end up that way in the end. <laughs> yeah. For, for but, but here, but here he's a little bit more like central, you know, like we're I viewing mean, it through his eyes. Whereas yeah. I think, you know, if we were viewing it, um, alternately, it would be hard to write this in the same way of like, Oh, suddenly we're viewing it through Janelle Monet's eyes because like, then you don't get the, the structure doesn't work if we're, if we're yeah. that way, you know, I was, I was going to say like, this is, a sort of a half version of Hound of the Baskervilles in the sense that like he has, he has Helen with him and they are putting on a ruse, but she's, you know, the only difference is that she's in on it and that you have to have Benoit Blanc actually there for most of the movie instead of like off away, like Sherlock Holmes was for, for half the story of, you know, Baskervilles and, you know, Benoit Blanc, puts on this buffoonish foghorn leghorn kind of persona outwardly, outwardly right? Like, yeah. and, it, and it's really good, but Daniel Craig plays it with so much depth because there's plenty of moments in this film where he gives a look where you see the serious guy behind that persona where his mind is actually at work where, where you know, like he's judging Edward Norton and shit. Like, Oh, you're you're a fucking bastard. You can you read in his fucking eyes, and and like by the end of the movie, you get what a like a deeply compassionate person he is, who's like mortified by evil fuckers yeah. like this, and like he fights them passionately, and like I just love 
fucking Craig's performance in this. He just plays it so subtly while at the same time playing the more b- buffoonish stuff, like so fucking yeah. big, you know? He, he, he even has a line like, I'm just going to lay on some of that Southern hook, you know? He knows exactly what he's doing, you know? Like, um, but, I mean, I guess it is worth, I mean, you know, I hate to jump to the end of it, I feel like it is, like, I really do want to, like, talk about, like, because, like, the whole thing is, um, he and Helen end up doing this, like, investigation, and mm-hmm. you know, she hires him, but he's like, well, you've got to come along, we're going to make you up, like your sister and I'm going to kind of show up and be like the big shiny trinket that people are going to pay attention to. It'll allow you to kind of go and do the actual like box checking, you know, like literal box checking in the movie. Right. And, you know, (laughs) and she does a great job. Right. Mm -hmm. And eventually like he solves, he solves the crime by realizing like what a fool, like the thing that was in plain sight was actually True. He he and overestimated it, Miles Braun. Like he, 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 yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, he bought the PR that Miles Braun is this brilliant genius when really he's a total fucking idiot. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then um, Helen comes to is like, you know, you what? Do you, what are we gonna? What are you gonna do? Like you've got to do something about this. Like you know, like he's got mm-hmm. he can't get away with it. And you know, uh, <laughs> then all Blanc says, "Look, I have responsibilities to the world around me. I, you know, like." he's a licensed detective. He has, you know, mm-hmm. like I have responsibilities to the authorities. I can't actually do the thing that you need me to do. And then what did he do? He's like, he said earlier, you're better when you're drunk. Here's a drink. And also <laughs> here's a piece of explosive. Yeah. <laughs> and remember your sister's legacy, you know, that's essentially mm-hmm. what he tells her. And like he gives her the tools to you know, and that's like that is that is why allyship is greatest. It's like yeah. I can't I can't be the person to burn this down, but you can, and I'm actually giving you like not just permission, but the tools you need to burn. Yeah, it down. Here, here here's here's the here's the uh, new fuel that basically looks like a meth rock that you can throw <laughs> into the fire and, and burn the Mona Lisa down and. <laughs> yeah and uh no no it's 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 such a great little moment it's such a great little speech you don't even realize what he handed her until like later mm-hmm. like, once she once she throws it it's like oh right that's what's going on here you know you, um you, you know what i love too is like with the second watch ryan johnson like the important things that you would probably miss in the first watch he still shows them all to you. So like oh, yeah. when you, when you get to the second half of the film and he's showing you, Oh, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. It's like, it's all in there. Like the movie never lies to you about what, what's actually going on. It's just like you, you, you pick it up and the second watch is like, Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. He did fucking like, give Batista the drink with the pineapple juice. And you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's all like, there. It's all there. Yeah. You can, you can look at it. You can figure it out for yourself if you were so inclined. But I think that's also like one of the things that like the movie is kind of getting at. And I think something that like makes it, it elevates this above, you know, sort of genre trash is mm-hmm. like, it knows that the mystery is at the point. And I think that's right. also a thing that like, I've been in front of the project. I've been reading the early uh, or reading for the first time, a lot of the early, um, Sherlock Holmes stories, mm-hmm. and like if you look at like these kind of things, it's like they're really like stories that are about people, and they're stories about like circumstances, or stories about like you know uh, a particular like moment, 
and they're not really about like the mystery because yeah. the mystery just isn't <laughs> also when the mystery isn't that compelling and the point is you know like Benoit Blanc is like you know Miles Brown is an idiot you know it's so dumb it's so dumb and like yeah no it is like the for, for, you know, for Jay, it's so dumb that it's brilliant no it's not it's just dumb it's just <laughs> you know uh great i mean there's just so much great great stuff in here but like it is like the, the point isn't like who killed andy because you don't even realize that that's a plot point yeah and so it's not even like who killed duke because you know you don't get that until halfway through the movie the point is like the point is to expose us to this world and to give mm-hmm. us a hint of this and to show like what <laughs> frankly what justice looks like yeah, in this yeah. world you know <laughs> like you know and in that sense it is like there there is there, there is the beating heart of a radicalism in this you know in, in, a, in a way that i think even like netflix doesn't quite understand you know <laughs> like you can imagine a version of this with like reed hastings in the miles bond role <laughs> 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 well I mean, i'm gonna cancel the oa after two seasons we're going to cancel everything after two seasons. It's so dumb. It's so, so dumb. dumb. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to sell Blu-ray to the other side of the wind. Yeah. No, fucking... Um, yeah, I the, see the failure of your company. It's like a glass <laughs> onion. I see the other side. You have fooled the stockholders, but you have failed to fool me because I see through everything. You're ultimately going to fail because you're not satisfying a basic business model. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but like that's a, that's a, that's at the heart of this, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. making fun of it. I'm not. I'm not making fun of it. I'm saying like you know that's 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 the thing that the movie is actually saying is that like all these dipshits with all these you know elevated you know venture capital business models where they're just going to bring in money and money and money and they don't have like an actual plan for how to, you know, draw mm-hmm. a profit. I mean, you would have to be like a radical leftist socialist type like me to like understand that like this was never going to be sustainable. And that's what we're kind of running into in this world today is, yeah. you know, all these companies are failing because ultimately there's just only so much venture capital you can bring in. And, you know, that's who Mouse Braun is like the representation of all of that, you know, and if it's all going to crash and burn and we're going to end up in a, a different future in a few years. I think, I think, it, I think that's kind of what we're seeing right now. Kind of like watching all these tech companies, just, they're just failing. They're, they're laying off employees by the tens of thousands. And why are they doing that? Mm-hmm. Cause they ultimately, they don't know what the fuck they're doing anymore. And they yeah. never did. You know? And I mean, you know, you see all of miles bronze excess in this movie, like, and, and he, and he's, you know, as, as soon as, especially when you get to like the backstory and the flashbacks and stuff where he's looking like Tom Cruise from Magnolia and shit, it's like, it looks like it's literally like a Faustian deal between all these people and him. And he's, he's kind of the devil. He, he kind of sold yeah. them a, you know, a bill of goods and it allowed him to get all these people under his thumb. So, you know, he has people he can control that are his quote unquote friends that are also like alibis and like bodies he, he can throw on the fire whenever, you know, the heat gets bad. So like, you know, Miles Brown is a really stupid person, but he's also kind of really clever and cagey as far as like manipulating people. And, you know, so I, I do like how 
at the end there where he burns the napkin with the formula on it or whatever, um, for a minute, you're like, oh, shit, he might get away with this. You know, like all of a sudden, you know, the real world kind of seeps into this like, oh, fuck, like the evidence is gone and all these people are going to, you know, say, oh, yeah, no, I didn't see shit. And it it takes an actual disruptor to disrupt things. When you know Helen just like gets pissed off and like fuck you motherfucker, and she actually disrupts shit and like ruins yep. them. Yeah, it's beautiful. You gotta wonder what meetings Ryan Johnson has been in that he is uh, not uh, able to talk about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you gotta wonder exactly like when he made the Last Jedi. You gotta wonder, you know, what exactly he heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I will will ask you this. Um, Do you think Benoit Blanc gave Braun a chance to, like, change? Like, because when he he comes up to him and talks to him in The Glass Onion, and, like, he says, you know, everybody's going to kill you. Like, everyone here has a reason to kill you. Like, isn't that like it, it's felt like to me like a moment where it's like he's given he's given Braun a chance. Like you could you could change everything like right now. I think I think as the movie it, through the text of the movie, like at that point, Blanc doesn't have a reason to suspect um, Braun as being that person. Right. Uh, maybe, and I okay. think that like he obviously he knows that like there's been like legal shenanigans and like suspects mm-hmm. that. I mean, I think there is, like, the suspicion that he has, you know, like, uh, killed uh, I mean, Andy. I mean, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't even necessarily need to, like, suspect that uh, Braun is a killer. I'm just saying, like, he, he reads the situation that, oh, yeah, all these people actually don't like him. Yeah. And, and so, like, and, and I'm just kind of speaking off the, the sort of my reading of of Blanc is being kind of like a compassionate sort of humanist kind of guy who is sure. like he he reads the situation he's like you know if you would just like not be a piece of shit and like not you know and take your thumb off these fucking people and like help them out you'd probably be way better off and things might work out really well i i mean i i hear that and i I can understand that perspective. Like to me, I read that as more like Blanc poking to find um, like weaknesses. He's like, he's kind of poking at him to see how he'll respond. Like that's his investigative technique. Mm -hmm. We saw in, um, in Knives Out, you know, he would often, you know, just kind of like, you know, kind of poke at people and kind of like, you know, give, give kind of weird responses just to see how people would respond. And, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, and it's, it's, it's his, you know, <laughs> you know, finding the end of gravity's rainbow. Like that, that's kind of what he's <laughs> doing through the whole, through the whole, through the whole movie, you know? Um, and I think also like he, like all he's really doing is trying to bide his time, you know, because he thinks that, you know, Ellen is going to be the one who's going to, you know, kind of go and like snoop around. And so he's trying to like draw attention to himself. Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah, I mean, I can see like the logic of like maybe he's trying to give Bron a way out, or maybe he's trying to see if you know Bron has like a you know a humanity left in him. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that I don't like I don't I don't read that as you know the primary thing he's doing there. I read that as you know like he knows it's not going to happen, and he knows that like all these people are yeah, are fucking shitheads, you know like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, no, yeah. that's fair. It's fair enough. I, I, I just, I just felt like maybe there was a little aspect of that, but uh, you know, who knows? Um, I will say, you know, even though you know Lionel is a piece of shit, like all the other people in the thing, he he likes Lagavulin, so you know, he's yeah, not I mean, all bad. you can't, you can't, you, you, you know. <laughs> I mean, of all of them, I think, I think, uh, you know, uh, I think Lionel has the the best case of being like the most decent of the, of, of the, the, the crew, you know, because at least he's like doing something real. Like he's making all this stuff mm-hmm. reality. Um, and he was also one of the ones who was, you know, kind of most opposed to, you know, making clear kind of go public. Like he, you know, and then of course he signed off on it for mm-hmm. you know, whatever reasons he decided to do it. Um, because you know it's Miles Braun, and he can't say no to Miles Braun. You know, yeah. ultimately, like he's compromised, but like you know, he certainly has more of a, um, you know, kind of more of a justification, more of a more of a like defense than a lot of the others do. I think you know, who are just kind of going along to go along because it's just like that's the meal ticket. Because you know, <laughs> Lionel is clearly like smart enough in this movie. Like he's clearly like a good enough engineer. He has enough of a sort of backstory that like he. He could go elsewhere, you know what I mean? You he, know? he could, he could. Um, although I, I feel like you know, uh, the the implication is that Miles Braun has so much money and influence, he could he could crush him, like he could get it, like stop him from getting other jobs, kind of thing. Sure. I I kind of get the feeling that you know, if Alpha is what it is, like there are competitors to Alpha that would definitely like, Pro- yeah, all, you know? def- definitely, you know? like like within this, like within the, the the confines of the film. I mean, like I'm not trying to defend it or anything like that. I'm mm-hmm. just saying, like there there, it does feel like you know he's kind of the one he's the one who has sort of the, the most justification for, you know, like, actually I told you no. And then like, like, and, and you did it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I signed off on it because like I saw the writing on the wall, but ultimately, you know, like he's, whereas, you know, most of the other ones didn't even know fucking what was going on. You know, like Brody J she, she went no clear, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, oh, wait, yeah. It, like the the time it takes her to realize that Helen is the twin sister of Andy, it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I do like the senator uh, character. I like her, sh- yeah, Catherine Hahn. Yeah, I, I I like her schlubby husband who is like <laughs> obviously is like I'm here because it's a meal ticket i guess but uh like no one listens to me i just i'm just kind of here yeah <laughs> yeah uh, i will i mean Catherine Hahn is an actress like it's hard to it's hard to you know, she's amazing i mean she's mm. just amazing um i love the like the little like interplay between her and birdie jay where like she's like wearing like a robe and like a visor and glasses and it's like oh you look great too hon it's fine <laughs> you know like, <laughs> It's like yeah, fuck you. Um, I love that she's like she's like oh I'm a politician. I'm supposed to be wearing my mask. Like she answers the door and then it's like oh you're a delivery driver. I have to like cover up my face because mm-hmm. we're two months into the into the uh, pandemic. And yeah. that's what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah, no. She she just like even her like body language just like strikes me as like it's very it feels very accurate. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Everybody in this movie does a great job. It's just, and you know, you see all these people. It just goes to show that wealth erases actual politics when it comes yeah. to these people. It's just like all these people are friends, even though like most of them are like outwardly 
represent different ideologies altogether. And they, and they kind of despise each other. If you mm-hmm. like, you know, and I think that they, when they were all like hanging out in the bar and getting drunk and they, nobody had, there were, there were a bunch of like fail sons in their thirties, mm-hmm. fail daughters and fail sons in their thirties. Like they were just kind of hanging out and, you know, like they didn't, maybe they didn't agree with each other, but like, that's what they were. Mm-hmm. And then once suddenly they all had like money, you know, it was it suddenly, all those things kind of come to the forefront and the, in the, in the tensions are much more, you know, heightened. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, um, one thing I would like to just highlight is, uh, Madeline Klein is whiskey. Um, mm-hmm. who I think is, Hey, she has one of the funniest lines for me, <laughs> you know, when, uh, Benoit Blanc, you know, is like, you know, Oh, Miles Braun saw you two weeks ago and gave you that necklace and you're a Taurus. And she's like, I am. Amateur. Amateur. <laughs> you know? like, for, for a second, she's like, wow, this guy's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I also really love, um, there's that one scene that she has with Helen, uh, who she thinks is, is Andy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she's like, like, yeah, these guys are all dipshits. This is my second one of these I've done. I'm in this because, you know, Duke is putting me on the channel more often and I'm trying to like build a career, et cetera, et cetera. And that's definitely not a thing that like it, it's not a thing that had to be in the movie. Right. But it's something that I really appreciate being in the movie is that like whiskey gets a chance because she could have just been eye candy and mm-hmm. a, a lesser movie would have treated her as just pure eye candy. Yeah. And that's um, true. That, that's the, true. the film does not like there is no character in this movie that like it's treated in that way. And I, you know, I think that, I mean, I think it's important to note that I think it's important to say, you know, like, yeah, yeah. no, she actually gets like a moment of her own and you know, yeah, she gets to come out of the water and be gorgeous and she gets to, you know, straddle um, Edward Norton, et cetera. And, you know, yeah. this, but like, she also gets the, uh, you know, that kind of moment, that moment of humanity and you get a sense of like who she really is, which is yeah, you no, know, it, much it, deeper. It, 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 Everybody here has got a little bit of a moment. Like even even the Daryl character is just like this dude who's probably you know what for whatever reason he's on the island. You, you got to think he's one of Miles Bond's like old buddies or something. Mm-hmm. You know? He's just hanging out and drinking Corona. Yeah, know? and <laughs> you know what, Corona is swill, and I can't imagine trying to like. Do you know what it would cost to bring like cases of Corona to like Greek island? Way too much. <laughs> there have got to be. I mean, there are there are cheap, shitty, you know, Greek loggers. I mean, they could, he could he could have Mythos logger there, no yeah, problem. You know, Mythos you know? and Mythos is mythos way better, is possibly reasonable. Yeah, yeah, much better than Corona. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> our old our old beer reviewer selves coming out yeah. in this moment here. You know, like fuck you, Corona. It's um, like oh fuck you, Ryan Johnson. Movie over. It it doesn't yeah. make any sense. It should be Mythos Logger all the time. But but yeah, I would absolutely believe this is the guy who's just like yeah. I grew up in Southern California. I've been drinking Corona since I was seventeen years old, mm-hmm. and uh, this is what I drink. Yeah, no, I yeah yeah. yeah yeah. Um, I do I do like uh, there's one line which I think is kind of the whole uh the whole motto of the film though that uh, Miles Braun says. Um, it's a dangerous thing to mistake speaking without thought with speaking the truth, which is yeah, yeah. Although that was um, that was Benoit Blanc, but yeah, but, but, yeah, she, yeah. I've fucking that's what I meant. <laughs> I, I am several beers in tonight. I don't know. I think are both are the same. I got a little Macallan Twelve Doublewood sitting on the side here. For, oh, nice, you know, nice, for nice. My, my nightcap. So you know. <laughs> 
um i will say also uh, one l- nice little performance um moment um I like Helen's the, just the look on her face when uh, Miles Braun is doing the Mona Lisa speech mm-hmm. about about you know you know how enigmatic the Mona Lisa painting is and how sometimes she's smiling sometimes she's frowning you know you can't really ever tell and I, I just feel like you know uh, Helen pretending to be Andy like gets a little bit of encouragement with the thing she's achieved here, like fooling most of these people and the thinking that she's Andy. And like, I think it gives her a little bit extra, like a little bit of reserve and drive to keep going, you know, kind of thing. Like she she, she feels like she kind of connects with that sentiment of, you know, yeah, uh, how, how, you know, nobody can read her except for the, you know, the one person who knows that she's actually dead, you know, you know, right. I mean, I think, um, I mean, the, I mean, the film obviously like, uses the Mona Lisa as a central metaphor to compare it to, uh, mm-hmm. Helen, you know, and, you know, kind of how Helen feels about all this is the kind of left in this kind of ambiguous state. And I think that that's, uh, I mean, I like that. I like that. I mean, I, th- I think it's, I don't know. I think there's an argument that it's pushed a little bit too far that there's, you know, when like, the final shot of the movie is like the, the big harpsichord sequence. And then she like sits down and it's like, are you ready to leave Helen? And then you just like kind of swoop in on her face and she's got like, you know, this very like Mona Lisa, a little, literally the Mona Lisa smile. Um, you know, I think you could argue this a little bit on the nose, but I think it's also like, uh, you know, I actually missed it the first time. I'm not proud of that. I'm just like, I was like, oh, I missed the first things. time too. Yeah. I was looking at other things. And then like, I saw people talking about like how, Oh, it's like all the Mona Lisa metaphors. I'm like, oh right, yeah, no, obviously, duh. Like I was wrong, but um, or I didn't catch it. But yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think it's I think it's actually really effective in terms of you know because the movie is kind of about like the first time we see Helen, we don't even know it's Helen. We just mm-hmm. <laughs> you know she gets a box and she's like <laughs> she's like going through the puzzles. She breaks it, smashes she breaks it, it yeah. With the hammer, yeah. And that's what that's what Helen does. Is she's breaking mm-hmm. all of these people apart with a hammer. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, I don't know. It just speaks to this moment. It speaks to this moment in, in time. It's like you know, the, the time the time for niceties has passed. The time mm-hmm. is now. We're going to break the we're going to break the simple child's puzzles that like feed the fascist capitalist ideology. We're going to now break <laughs> apart with a hammer. That's, yeah, that's what we're doing now. So that's that's how it goes. Yeah. It's, good, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, yeah. Any, anything else before we get to the trivia and stuff? I mean, I could talk about this forever, but I think we've we've hit the high points. I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I hope you have not listened to this podcast and like not watched the movie yeah. at this point um, because we've totally spoiled it. But like, it's 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 as good as you've heard it is. Like, it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a master. This isn't like you know again. This isn't gonna be like one of the greatest movies ever made. This isn't. Yeah, yeah. You know, it isn't that deep, but I think it's a a lot of fun, and I think there is like a real depth to it. And this is a forty million dollar movie, right? Like this is this is not this is not a Marvel movie, and this is the kind of movie that just isn't being made right now. I think that's why people are kind of talking it up as much as we are because mm-hmm. like, you're just not seeing this kind of thing you know, being made, we're just not you, seeing this you don't kind get, of like, you know, yeah, you don't like, get like a big ensemble cast murder mysteries. Like this is a thing of, this is like a, you know, thing from the seventies, like that kind of died. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's, this is, 
it's not this is not like an art house movie this isn't like mm-hmm. some deep like abstract thing that's like you know but it's made for adults it's made for grown-ups it's made for you know people who are going to be paying attention who are actually going to be watching a movie you know mm-hmm. and nobody's wearing spandex in it you know right and um i think that like there is like in in for all of it i can appreciate you know the marvel movies and superhero movies and i think uh the it's a shame that this kind of stuff that it's a shame that this looks so unique in 2022 yeah. or, you know, like it's a shame that, that, that that's where we are with cinema, because I feel like this is the kind of thing, like if this was available in theaters every weekend, if there was something kind of similar to this, that was, you know, kind of out there, just like entertaining made for grown-ups movie that was made for $40 million and had a bunch of fun shit in it. Yeah, no, I would go back to the theater for this mm-hmm. way more than I go back for like, Top Gun or, you know, Marvel movie number 29 or whatever, you know. Right. And you know, and yeah. and this is just as long as every Marvel movie these days too. Yeah. I was, but I mean, I, mean I think that would be another thing about it is it is it is a, it does feel it doesn't feel long but it is long. It's it's 2 hours and 15 I mean minutes, it's think, it's you know? it's two movies wrapped into one, yeah. right? Because I mean, it gives you the initial murder mystery and then it has this whole movie that's like the flashback backstory of the murder mystery kind of thing. So like yeah. it 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 does take its time. But yeah. I mean it's I, it's I, worth I, watching I, though. I feel like there's a way to get this down to an hour forty five. Like Yeah, you, you know you could. You could. I, feel, I I like the two fifteen, you know, I like this version of it and I think I would prefer this version of it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this, you know, in nineteen seventy five this would have been a you know, an hour forty five. Oh, you know? not I don't even even I, I think they might even cut this down to like ninety. Like yeah, you, you would no. just you would just lose tons of character stuff, I think. Right. You you lose a lot of the stuff that really makes it worthwhile, I'm sure, you know, but you know like And it, like the whole second half of this movie would be like done in a five minute like flashback right. thing. Right. Yeah. 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 It doesn't I, I want to be clear. I, I'm not saying this feels long. I think this feels like the length that it needs to be, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in terms of like kind of modern cinema, you know, where we're right. just used to things running longer. Um, but it is not hard to, you know, sort of imagine, you know, some of the subplots kind of cut down, some of the other stuff kind of cut down. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, a character cut out. Like, you know, you, as much as I love Catherine Hahn's character in the movie, you can kind of cut her out of the movie, right? Yeah, she doesn't you know? do anything. Like, she's, she's just she's there. not there. She's there as like I mean, she's there because she's brilliant. I mean, Captain mm-hmm. Hunt's brilliant, and because like you need that character, and you need you know another person. You know, you don't want to feel under people. But like, it's not hard to imagine. Like, you could just cut that character completely, and right. you know, yeah, 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 and cut down on that opening sequence, and cut down on you know, and then they just get like you know the letter. Or whatever, and yeah, yeah, it would be a montage of everyone getting the letter, getting the box, and then they'd cut it. But it wouldn't even be a box. Like if you were going to cut it down, like if you asked me, okay, script level, how do you cut this down? It's like, all right, the box is like it's a fun sequence, but it's useless. You cut it, yeah, yeah. You know, basically, you start the movie at the dock. Like that's mm-hmm. how you you know everyone um, shows up at the dock. Oh, you got this letter? I got this letter the, too. The yeah. dock. The dock is twenty minutes into the movie. Yeah. So that's how you that's how you cut out. That's how you cut it down. To, that that is that is true. Yeah. Everyone shows up. Would cut it to an hour fifty five. You know. Or and so, and that know. and that feels more like a classic like mystery thing too, because all these d- different characters that you don't know all show up. Some some of them obviously know each other, and it's like, oh hey you, did you get that letter too? Oh yeah, I got that letter. And then Benoit Blanc is like the one 
who doesn't have the letter, but he so does. Who, so who is that guy? Yeah, who's that guy? It's like what? Yeah, no, no, yeah, actually, that that solved it, right? That like cut the, the twenty minutes he needed to cut out yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Ryan he Johnson. You miss you miss so much character stuff that way. So yeah, like, but still, I'm right, glad Ryan, we got the version we did. But if we did have to cut it down, that's how you cut it down. You know, you're welcome, Ryan Johnson. We fixed your movie. If you ever get that DVD <laughs> we release, your, we fixed your fucking stupid movie that you got yeah. like four hundred million dollars for this in a sequel. You know, <laughs> fucking hack. You know? Yeah. Once you get the Criterion Collection version, we'll edit it for you, bitch. Yeah. You know? Don't worry but, about it. Don't yeah. worry about it. You, Lee and I are gonna do it for you. Mm-hmm. You know, to, yeah, that's, what, to that's what we do. Fix your mistakes there. <laughs> hey, we haven't we haven't been a, a successful award winning podcast that like less than a hundred people listen to for like the last ten years almost for nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Sure. Uh, so yeah, no. budget. budget yeah, was... I got I got one more thing I just want to okay. point out just before you know. Um, I do feel like, you know, um, Daniel Craig is having a blast in this. Oh, he's yeah. having a blast. And he's like, he's like, you know, playing this like new gay icon or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was like, he got super bored playing James Bond. Oh, yeah, he did. He, he hated it. So he hated playing James Bond. I am so happy to see him getting to do something he likes so much more than playing and, and, James Bond. And I hope he gets to play these for as long as he wants to play them. I'm, I hope they I hope they make ten of these as long as Ryan yeah. Johnson and Daniel Craig want to want to keep doing them. I hope they make them for as long as those two people both live. And I'm just I'm great. just so happy that like he's got like a second character that's really caught on and taken yeah. off, right? Like he like he's not stuck with always oh, just another bond. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of thing. And and it, and it, it just just goes to show what a great actor he is. Like like he, he gets the chance to shine in this and, and, it, and he takes off with it. He's just gonna show up in um future um uh what's his name? Edgar Wright movies. In cameo mm. appearances, like that's what that's what all James Bonds do now. Is they just, yeah, they show up alongside Simon Pegg. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I made mean, that. You know, it's fine. I like that. Yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, I, I hope I, he does that too. But yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah it's good stuff. Uh, so, budget for this is forty million. Um, b- box office is 15 million, but there's a caveat on that. Uh, because you know, Netflix was like, we're only releasing this to limited theaters, yeah, and only because- for like a week, yeah, yeah, just to promote it. Basically, Netflix yeah. already paid for this movie, so it just made the 15 million on top of you know the production budget that Ryan Johnson didn't have to pay anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, everybody got paid for this, <laughs> and uh, you know, you'll, you'll never see Netflix's actual numbers, but. It, this 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 was a success. It's got a sequel coming, and you know it's good. Um, so uh, we already mentioned the Edward Norton Magnolia connection with his old his old persona as Miles and the, with the long hair and shit. Um, Magnolia so, was made the same year as Fight Club. Like you could imagine, mm-hmm. Ed Norton could have played. He could have, you know, Frank T.J. Mackey back in 1999. He could have, but I mean, man, Tom Cruise worked so well on that, though. Like, yeah. it's... imagine if Tom Cruise had been in Fight Club. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> would Tom Cruise have allowed himself to be in Fight Club, though? I don't know. Would Tom Cruise have allowed himself to be, you know, the nerd, yeah. the nerdy nebbish guy nerdy. in Fight Club? He would yeah. have been. He would have been the Brad Pitt character, I think. In yeah, that's what he would have wanted, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
sorry. That's a that's a weird little thought my head went to. Yeah, no, that that's Jared whole, Leto, also in Fight Club. <laughs> yeah, Jared Leto's hard kombucha. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's my name on the hangout tonight. Lisa, I was uh, that was one I had reserved for Lady Lee if she was going to join the uh, conversation tonight, but she was busy. So, uh, but yeah. Um, so the loud hourly dong that mar- marks the patches of time on the islands a reference to the Agatha Christie adaptation of Evil Under the Sun from 1980, mm. 1982, which takes place in an island resort where a cannon is fired every day at noon. Oh, man, that must be fucking annoying. Um, <laughs> who's, every day at noon, who's together by then? I can still taste the toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of the pieces on display is a glass or crystal version of the Falcon statuette from the uh, Maltese Falcon. So that's that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, final film of uh, Steven Sodenheim and uh, Dame Angela Lansbury appear briefly in a Zoom call. During Ben Watt's first scene, Ryan Johnson is a fan of Sodenheim's uh, film The Last of Sheila from 1973, another whodunit about a multimillionaire who invites his friends to a party to play parlor games. Uh, Dylan Cannon's character in that film was an influence on Kate Hudson's character, Birdie. Uh, Steven Sodenheim appearing as himself is a tribute to the murder mystery parties he hosted, which inspired the entire Knives Out series. Which, oh, that's and I think Anthony Perkins, like that Anthony Perkins co-wrote that script. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah. Um, I believe I remember reading that. Anyway, I, I've been, I, have, I have acquired that movie. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Wanna, yeah. Wanna, if we want to uh, do that, I think we could probably make that happen. That sounds like a good plan. I, I like that idea. Um, uh, so one last uh, ping piece here. Uh, oh, no, that's fine. That I Somehow I repeated the same trivia thing here for some weird reason. Oh, yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah, and the uh, I think the person doing the, the dong sound, I think that's uh, – what's his name? Oh, um, yeah, um, I'm I'm blanking on his fucking name. (laughs) I said the guy from brick. So, you know, (laughs) yeah, there's, there's some guys in brick. Um, yeah, no, I, I did see that in a trivia too, but I'm blanking on his fucking name now. Joseph Gordon Levitt. There you go. Yeah. The, the guy from Looper. That's that's what I know him as. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that wasn't directed by Ryan Johnson. Actually, no. Yeah. It, uh, was. Was, it was. Looper was, yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. It was. Yeah. yeah. He's he's done so many different things, Ryan Johnson. Yeah. He, he really has. Yeah. Yeah, Looper. Yeah. Oh, God, that's his third movie, man. The, what a... <laughs> What a career that man has had. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's fucking killing it. He is fucking killing yeah. it. But um, yeah, uh, not sure what we're doing next. Um, sometime in the future, Daniel and I uh, have concocted a uh, Raquel Welch tribute show yeah. because she just recently passed, uh, lived a nice long life. But uh, we do want to pay tribute to her. We we did cover her in the Queens way back when. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, um, and I think we decided to do a Hanny Calder and a hundred rifles. Mm-hmm. So kind of cover her uh, westerns, which uh, I think is what she's uh, kind of. I mean, most well known for, or at least you know, sort of the 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 thing that I kind of like come back to is more of like her western days. You know, um, right? Although not her, 
you know, not her, not her biggest, uh, biggest hits or anything, but you know, like kind of, yeah, but she was, she was like a, she made her image, you know? Yeah. She was an icon right in that period where it's like either make like weird exploitation caveman films or Westerns kind of like it was still, you know, the kind of peak sixties period kind of thing. Seventies. Yeah. Um, but Daniel, you have a other podcast where if you, you know if you jo- if you join the Patreon, you can hear him talk about movies with his glorious, beautiful co-host Jack Graham. But uh, what 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 is that podcast, sir? Yeah, so I do a podcast. I have been looking for the last several years at this point. God, it doesn't feel that long, but it is very long. Um, I've been uh, tracking the uh, online rantings of like the worst people in human history. And I talk about it on a podcast and uh, it used to be a weekly podcast and it kind of slows down as like, I just have to do more and more work for every episode. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we try to do, you know, a couple of episodes a month and then we try, uh, we do usually like one like movie episode through behind the Patreon paywall and usually mm-hmm. there are other, you know, <laughs> recently we just, uh, Jack and I just chatted for 40 minutes and then yeah. sort of put that out as a, as a bonus because it was like interesting stuff where, you know, I talked about math and yeah, you're, you're talking about the differences between American and British like education, basically. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. So we, um, it's, it's, it's a fun show. It, it, mm-hmm. it's, I made it sound a little depressing. It is, but it's also very fun. Yeah. Cause we're yeah. making it many. So, um, and we do uh, movie stuff behind the Patreon and you could, uh, Find me at Daniel Lee Harper on Twitter. Assuming Twitter continues to exist. Um, mm-hmm. You can find uh, the podcast at imustreetgerman.libson.com. And you can get all the bonus stuff if you support me at uh, patreon.com slash Daniel Harper. So. Yeah. Uh, you support Daniel or Jack Graham on Patreon for yep. a dollar. A dollar gets everything. Yeah. So we, yeah. uh, it's kind of a pay what you want kind of model. Like, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of people will pay more than that. You know, but we like, a dollar is like the least that Patreon will let me charge. And so that's what, you know, that's what I, you know, and we learned a couple of years ago that like people, you know, who are like, you know, we just give this out for free. We just ask people to give us a, you know, a little bit of money if you can. And then it's like, well, what if we put like one episode a month behind the paywall and it's not even like a real episode. It's just like a movie episode. Mm. And suddenly like the Patreon donations went up by like 40%. It's like, Oh, that's why people do this. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's yeah. it's useful, but yeah, no. so yeah, please uh, support me if you if you uh, like this podcast and want different kinds of podcasts, then you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com. You can find our Facebook link there. Go to the Facebook. They must be destroyed inside in Facebook. Best way to get in touch with us: uh, request movies, all that shit. Find out what's coming up on the podcast. And uh, yeah, uh, Daniel. It's always good to have you back when we can get you. And, always good to be back, and hopefully, yeah. hopefully more often. Hopefully more often. I'd, I'd love to yeah. come back. You know, so for sure. Yeah, and uh, so thank you all for listening, and we will be back when we're back. Goodbye. I told you about strawberry fields. You know the place where nothing is real. Well, here's another place you can go. Where everything flows Looking through the bed back tulips To see how the other half lives Looking through a glass onion I told you about the war is a mean man You know
as close as can be, man. Well, here's another clue for you all. The war is with Paul. to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. For further episodes of this podcast, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. We're also on Apple Podcasts and pretty much any podcatcher that you can find. Thank you. Drive through.